Before we get into the next episode of the Conjugate Chats, I want to thank the Department of Young Strain Coaches, the DOYSC, for sponsoring today's episode. The DOYSC is to help young coaches into the field of strength conditioning, whether that is CSCS prep, live discussions, internship or GA opportunities, or anything else strength conditioning related. They are here for a resource for young strength coaches going into the field of strength and conditioning. I'll drop the link in the description to the DOYSC's Discord so any young coach can have access to this awesome resource. So thank you for listening to the Conjugate Chats and the DOYSC for sponsoring today's episode. And welcome back to another episode of the Conjugate Chats with your host here, John Mark Raspberry, Coach Raspberry at that. I have on here the, ma- the man, the myth, the legend. I have Daniel McKim on here. Daniel, how you doing today? I'm good, John Mark. Man, it's, uh, it's good to be here, buddy. Appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. And at the time of this recording, which is late July, you are going to be the season finale of season one of the Conjugate Chats. Mm-hmm. So episode, oh, tw- so episode 20, episode 20 will be, yep. So you'll be wrapping up season one and I'll take a break for a little bit and see kind of where it goes from there. But I definitely, you know, Congrats. yeah, man, I, I definitely want to see how far I can ride this, ride this thing out. So yeah, um, congrats, man. 20 episodes. That's big time, dude. That's, that's a milestone. It's, it's going, it's going. So let's kick things off. Tell us about yourself, your background, where you've been, that sort of thing. Sure, sure, man. I come from a small town in the northwest corner of Missouri called Maryville, Missouri. And uh, I grew up with my three bros and my mom and dad and uh, just doing every sport possible. And from there, I went to, uh, went to college, went to a D2 school up here, northwest Missouri State, and was a thrower. And so for years, uh, I pursued throwing shot, disc, and hammer. And then after that, quickly decided I was never going to make the Olympics. So I got into the Scottish Highland Games, which is, if you're not familiar with that, it's guys in kilts throwing heavy stuff. Gotcha. The Highland Games. That was actually something, a question I had on here already written out. I, I wanted to know what the Highland Games were. So yeah. go in a little bit more in depth about it. What, what <laughs> exactly are those? Okay, so, man, if you've ever seen, if you've seen Braveheart, you know, kind of at the beginning, right. uh, where they're throwing rocks at each other, we do that. You throw rocks, just not at each other. You throw them for distance. So the best way I can describe Highland Games would be take track and field throwing, mix in strongman, mix in a little bit of decathlete in you, and uh, some Braveheart, and you've got the Scottish Highland Games. So typically these happen at different festivals across the country, across the world, I guess. You should really, it started in Europe and Scotland, and we've adopted it here in the U.S. too. But uh, uh, it's kind of like over 10 events, who can throw things the furthest and the highest? So you've got hammers, you've got different weights, you've got stones, you've got cabers, which are the long poles that you flip end over end. So. It's medieval. Uh, it's almost like a medieval contest of strength. But I guess years ago they used to use to determine who was the strongest, most bravest, and most amazing warrior within your clan. And so they would use the Highland Games, if you will. They would use some of that to determine who that guy was. So it's been fun to be a part of that. Uh, I threw. Let's see. I was from thirteen. Thirteen years I did that post college. So. It was a good ride. It was an awesome time and had a lot of fun doing it. So what are you doing now? I know you're a Sornex rep. I know you're a little Debbie ambassador. Like, what are you doing now, man? (laughs) Yeah. So I retired in 2017 from throwing, but I'd always use it as work. You know, I mean, I always had a regular job and I did these Scottish Highland games on the side. It was a way for my wife and I, uh, she could stay home with the kids. I ordered, I I used that and uh, it was a kind of a second job. So honestly, Awesome second job. Couldn't ask for something better. The fact that I got to pursue my throwing uh, and and was able to move up into the ranks of the pro level and make some side money doing it. So did that. And then, uh, no, I've been at Sornex now for eight, almost eight and a half years, I guess. Holy cow. 
Yeah, I started doing that. So, yeah, I'm a Midwest rep for Sornex and I uh, get to travel around, I get to work with coaches to plan out weight rooms, design stuff and and uh, hopefully make dreams into reality. So and then, of course, yes, I am a Little Debbie brand ambassador, which means I get uh, the occasional uh, the occasional care package from uh, Little Debbie to, uh, to try out new stuff. I guess the snickerdoodle cream pie is out. So I'm getting to try that. I got to try the ice cream when it first came out. So, yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. It's pretty fun. That's awesome, man. So how did both those things get started? I mean, how did those, I guess those two companies kind of like reach out to you or how did that, how did that all get started? (laughs) Well, oh man, two different stories, I guess. So for Sornex, the owner, Bert Sorn and I go back, we actually started throwing together in uh, post-college, we threw against each other in Scottish Highland Games, and we worked our way up together. We turned pro the same year. I believe at the same competition, we turned pro. We'd just gotten back from competing in the uh, USA in Scotland at a USA versus Scotland event. Of course, we won, uh, but they uh, <laughs> we came back and turned pro at the same time, and we're friends. And then Sornix just started to really blow up and started to grow really fast. He had some injuries, and so he quit throwing. I kept throwing for a while. And then from there, uh, we connected via work. And then all of a sudden, he's like, man, we're blowing up. Would you, would you come be my rep in the Midwest? And I was like, start tomorrow, man. What do you want me to do? Let's do it. And I asked him, I remember, I said, all right, dude, because I'd been in sales jobs before that. And I said, all right, Bert, what is my territory? He's like, all right, anything outside of South Carolina? <laughs> I was like, oh, man. I got a lot of coverage there, but uh, it's been awesome to see the growth just in the eight and a half years I've been there to now we've got reps all over the country and uh, to see the facilities we get to do. It's pretty awesome. It's pretty, it's pretty humbling and pretty cool experience. That's awesome, man. So what about the little Debbie story? How did you get, <laughs> how did you get be a, a, an ambassador of little Debbie? Okay. So I'll try to, I'll try to abbreviate this one. So, um, I started making videos and I grew up on Little Debbie's. I love Little Debbie snack cakes. And so I did, did some videos and did some different posts just because I enjoy them. And so kind of that, right? So not only are sweets and snack cakes fun, but anytime we can take life and we can remember childhood, right? The, the amazing things of childhood. You know, I just had somebody today was like, man, I remember eating gold milk cream pies and green Gatorade, dude. It was the best. And I was like, man, I haven't had like, a true lime like green Gatorade in years, you know, but these nostalgia things are really, really fun, especially as we, you know, as we're adults and you remember the fun times as a kid. And to me, little Debbie brings those memories, right? So I grew up, my mom and dad and my dad, my mom was a stay-at-home mom and my dad was a, was a pastor. And so we would do these vacation trips where, <laughs> where mom would always get my brother, my older brother, Swiss rolls, She'd get my little bro a box of oatmeal cream pies and Star Crunch was my jam. And so I, whenever I see Star Crunch, I remember that specifically of vacations with my family. So anyways, and I feel like a lot of people are kind of that. There's different things that bring back childhood. So I started doing these videos and started doing different things. And, uh, and uh, little Debbie started catching on a little bit. And actually one of my followers is, the, is a relative of little Debbie herself, the actual little Debbie. So he started showing her some of my stuff. And uh, he was like, hey, you got to you got to you got to see these things this guy's doing. He's doing some funny videos, doing some fun stuff with this. And uh, so we just kind of going along and they had this portal on their website that was you fill this out to be a little Debbie brand ambassador. I bet, man, for a month straight, I filled that out probably three, four, five, six, ten times a week. Right. It was ridiculous. They're probably like sitting there like. Oh, we got another submission from the McKim guy in Missouri that really wants to do something with us, but okay, let's delete it, right? So I was just constantly filling up their inbox with these applications to be a brand ambassador. And uh, <laughs> and something worked where the little Debbie came in. She went into the marketing office because they called me like, dude, you're not going to believe this. Uh, we want to do something with you. We don't know what that is, but we'd like to work with you on something. I was like, awesome, your little Debbie brand snack cakes is amazing. Let's do it. What do you want me to do, man? He's like... Well, I was like, how did you get my stuff finally? You guys are big. You're a massive corporation. I'm just a dude. And, and he says, well, little Debbie came, little Deb, Debbie herself came walking into our marketing office and says, hey, I don't know what it is, but we need to do something with this guy. He seems to line up with our values and line up who we are. So see what you guys can do. 
So here we are keeping you calm, man. See what we can do together. And I was like, no way. Little Debbie herself is like, yeah, the little Debbie. She's real and she has an office. <laughs> so fast forward, uh, how it kind of goes on is I make some, I do some apparel. So part of my licensing, it was part of my agreement with him is I have a uh, licensing contract to where I can make some little Debbie brand apparel. So I've embraced the little Debbie lifting team, and do some shirts and do some fun merch with that. And one of the coolest things was uh, I got an order one day and I'm like, Man, I got an order. I was like, man, Deborah, Deborah Fowler, huh? And I was sitting there going, I was like, man, I recognize that name in Tennessee. Who, what in the world? Why do I recognize that? Did a Google search and I'm like, holy cow, it's Little Debbie herself. Little Debbie had ordered a couple of my shirts. And so, yeah. So I wrote the card and I was like, hey, this is an honor. You're the real deal. You're Debbie herself, you know? And man, that Christmas, I got a Christmas card from Little Debbie. And it was handwritten note in there. And this tells you the kind of cool people that the McKee family is and little Debbie, who they are. And she says, love your stuff. Love what you do for us. Uh, do with us as a company. You're fun to work with. And she goes, plus, I want to let you know that I've been crushing 40-pound dumbbells on my dumbbell bench lately. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, little Debbie's getting jacked, man. But that's what's cool is the McKee Foods group is like the family stuff. They love to train. And so that's why it was a good fit because they're like, man, we love to train. We love exercise. We love fitness. We love all those things. We also love snack cakes and you do too, it seems like. So let's work something out. But yeah, little Debbie gets after it like in her home gym, man. So if you, it's pretty cool. That's <laughs> awesome. Okay. A couple of things. Number one, I didn't know little Debbie was actually a person. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yep. I, I always thought that that was kind of like a, a brand name and kind of caught on. You know, yep. I didn't know that Lil Debbie was actually like a person. Yeah, that, absolutely. That's... She's the granddaughter of the guy who started McKee Foods. And so he just kind of was like, man, I got a cute little granddaughter. Let's name, like we call her De Lil Debbie. Let's just Lil Debbie snack cakes, you know, Lil Debbie snacks. And it just kind of hung on. But yeah, she's she's killing it, man. She's boardroom executive, all that stuff, man. Man, that's awesome. Uh, second thing, you talk about your videos, and that's how you kind of caught on, or Little Debbie has kind of caught on, you know, in that sense. Where do you get your ideas from? <laughs> oh man, a lot of uh, for your listeners. If you if uh, I make just stupid, silly skits and videos about about lifting, right? About whether you're a thrower, a powerlifter, a crossfitter, a strongman, or a meathead whatever it is, there's a lot of different quirks in our industry, right? Of who we are in physical culture and, and that. So, man, I get a lot of my ideas just from long drives. Uh, I drive, do some long drives for work. And so a lot of times I'll just turn on music in the background or I'll leave it silent and I'll just be driving along and think of scenarios and think of things or I'll be lifting. I'm like, man, how many times have I said that? <laughs> or man, I remember when I used to do this and I'm like, wait, I still do that. <laughs> so it's usually applications from my own training or applications from when I'm driving around and just thinking and dreaming and, and, and pottering around, you know? Yeah, man. I mean, a lot of people love your videos. And that was a question I asked you at NatCon too. I was like, where do you get these ideas from, man? Cause there's <laughs> stuff that I wouldn't even thought about. And I love your recent video about the plane, the power lifter on the plane. <laughs> yeah. I love that video. I mean, just stuff like that. I mean, I, I, I'm sure you know listeners on this too would never have you know thought about stuff like that, and um, yeah, your presence in social media is huge right now. Oh, well, I appreciate it, man. And that's and the big thing is I just want I just enjoy it. I want to create joy. You know, I want us to laugh, and I want especially in our industry. You know how serious we can get and how protective we can get of our programming or of our applications or all these different things we do. And it's like, man. This is really a small industry for one. For two, we all got into this because really we're all just a bunch of meatheads. Typically, like somehow the, the iron bug bit us one way or the other. And we love to lift. We love to train. We love athletic performance. So why sometimes we're so serious, I don't know, when it's pretty cool. It's pretty fun. We get to, I get to sell. My job is to sell the very thing I love and passionate about, which is strength equipment and training. I get to sell and talk about training, you know, and, and much like you guys with being coaches, 
strength coaches and all these things, you get paid to do the stuff, very stuff you love. And so, yeah, man, I mean, my thing is, is life's too short to be really, really serious and be really, you know what I mean? So right. I want to, I want to provide some joy. Now that's not to say some people don't like my videos. I've had a few people reach out and you <laughs> can't believe you're making fun of these people to make a fun of like powerlifters or strongman. I'm like, like, bro, look, you can look through my videos. I make fun of throwers most. I was, I've been a thrower for 25 years or whatever it is. <laughs> and I'm the hardest on us, but that's the beauty of, right. That's what the beauty of comedy. I feel like is there's gotta be truth in it and there's gotta be exaggeration. in it. And so if we can, if we can show truth in our quirkiness and we can show exaggeration in our quirkiness, that's what makes it fun. And the more self-deprecation, the more fun we can have with just even highlighting our quirkiness the more people are willing to talk with us, right? Whether you're a coach, whether you're a salesman or whatever it is, the more that you can create an atmosphere of easiness and joy and, and fun, people are more willing to talk. And I'm sure you guys, especially with athletes, if you're just an aggressive jerk all the time, athletes aren't going to want to train for you or, or play for you or anything like that. But if you can create fun, you can create joy, you can create happiness then people are more willing to follow you to be a leader. Now, that's not to say that you're not to have times of seriousness and time of application. Absolutely. But if people can have joy while they're doing this life and doing things for you or with you, then man, to me, that's, that's pretty cool. That's the ultimate opportunity. That's awesome, Daniel. And that's kind of the reason why I started this podcast was because the word conjugate it means to come together, come together methods of training, like hypertrophy, power, strength, whatever. And I want the same ideology, but emphasizing coaches and people that are influencing the field of strength conditioning right now. And right. so we're seeing, you know, I had Monty Sparkman on here. I had, you know, low level, high level, where you want to call them. I had strength coaches on here and to have you on here and highlight even if it's, you know, silly videos, you know, that go viral on TikTok, Instagram, whatever. I mean, those videos causes joy and people love them. And, you know, they want to be like me and get to talk to you and have, have a line at the Sornex table when it comes to, you know, natural conventions to talk to you, man. Like, I appreciate it, man. And that's, and that's the thing is, at first it was kind of hard. I remember one of the first times I had somebody talked to me about my videos because I, I just did it because I enjoy it and it's fun. And a guy came up to me at a conference. He's like, Hey, you want to talk to me? And I thought, Oh, he's a thrower. He wants to talk to me because of uh, some accomplishment I had as a thrower. And, uh, but no, he wanted to talk about the video. And at first I was like, man, it was kind of, it was humbling. Like, doggone, he doesn't care. You know, I put in all these hours and I sacrificed all this and I trained my butt off to throw and do these things. And it's like, you want to talk about a video that took five minutes. And, but to me, that's what it is, is a lot of times and I forget the quote and I'm going to botch it. So don't, don't, uh, don't get mad at me if I'm botching this quote, but uh, I can't remember who said it, but people care less about what you do and more about how you feel, how you make them feel. Sorry. They care less about what you do or what you've done and more about how you feel. And so I learned pretty quick. People don't care that I was a thrower for years and that I threw maybe, but the fact that I could hopefully some quirky, ridiculous video gave them a chance to laugh and enjoy something that was more meaningful to them. And so it was a challenge to me of like, okay, how are we impacting people around us? Right. It's not about me, 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 do, 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 look at what I did, look what I'm doing, whether you're a coach, whether you're a salesman, my life, you're a salesman, whatever it is, it's not about things you've done. It's more, how are you making people feel around you? And if you're creating that joy, that's, that's the cool stuff. That's the fun stuff. Yeah, man. There's a quote that I always refer back to, and it's, if you haven't, I think it's either, if you haven't smiled or laughed today, then you're doing something wrong. Yeah. So I, I think that just kind of summarizes, you know, what you're doing right now. And it's, man, it's, it's awesome. That man. Was, that's way more eloquent, eloquent than how I said it. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> All right, you're free to use it anytime you want to, Daniel. <laughs> cool, cool. So let's talk about training a little bit. What does your personal training regimen look like? 
Yeah. Oh, man. When I was throwing, the beauty of when I was throwing post-college, right? And so I'm working a job and doing that. It was five days a week. Um, kind of an upper, it was an upper lower split, uh, a lot of linear progression. I dabbled in triphasic a little bit too, but it was a lot of uh, just linear progression throughout the year, trying to set up typically like you would do with a track, right? Track program. So you would train and then, and then your ability to peak for those first last couple of meets. So for me, post-college especially was how am I going to peak for nationals and how am I going to peak for worlds? And those are the things I was trying to work towards and do and then it was training it was throwing practicing three to well actually like four to six times a week more like and so it was a lot of i would get up in the early morning get up 4 15 4 30 go to the gym train drive to work do that till five come home grab some neat and then go out and throw for a couple hours and come back and uh hit, hit hit head to bed you know eventually as soon as i could but uh now anymore i'm right now i'm running a four-day week split upper lower split um, I don't need to be when I was throwing, I got up to 311. Uh, but right now I've kind of come to the point now I was like, hey, probably don't need to weigh that much anymore. <laughs> I'm not trying to throw heavy stuff. So I've been slowly, honestly, man, trying to bring the bring the body weight down a little bit. And I go through hills and valleys, right? So what'll happen, especially me, I'm a bench, I love bench. Everybody loves a big bench. No one loves it more than me. Cause I got these short T-Rex arms and it's just like a little good, like short range of motion. Burp, burp, and I can just hit these good reps. Right. And I noticed when I started losing weight and I'm taking the pound, the weight, body weight down, my bench would just start to slowly fall. And I'm like, I can't have this. So then I weight suddenly goes up again. I, I got to get stronger again. So I take the body weight back up again. And it was just like this vicious cycle. So I finally coming to the grips of, I don't have to have as big a bench press as I can <laughs> my whole life. So right now it's uh, that upper lower, just getting through, man, and trying to, trying to, because I'm always going to lift weights. I just love, it, you know, just right, man. It's a lifestyle at this point. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, so I noticed on your videos, you post a lot about training videos on your Instagram, you know, especially like when you have Creed Fridays, yeah. you know, I noticed that, that like, you go barefooted in a lot of your lifts. Is there any reason for that? Is that like a personal preference or is that something that you research and looked at, you know, along the way in your training? You know, yeah. why is that? No, that's a good, man. I, honestly, I have rotated over the years. So for years, I just wore uh, Olympic shoes to pretty much everything, but especially when I was cleaning, snatch work, and then of course my squats. But honestly, even before that, I wore throwing shoes where I actually had like an elevated foot like kind of a if you ever looked at throwing shoes that kind of have the ball the foot is a little raised yep. and so i don't know why but i like the hard sole of those so i was doing that for a while it didn't that didn't go well but honestly lately um i've been doing barefoot in deadlift and then my squats simply honestly man because for some reason right now my knees feel better when i do that uh for years like i said i was in lifters and i already i have i'm a poor squatter and so I, t I just naturally have a forward lean and those lifters, I felt like were just making me lean a little forward. So I just, it's just been really comfortable lately to go barefoot. I feel like I can grab with my toes. I feel like I can spread my feet, whatever you want to call it, but I feel like I can get a good grip. So I don't have any real reason other than my body seems to cooperate with it right now. And that's what we're kind of experimenting right now with the high school athletes. You know, we're kind of looking at, does your barefoot squat, does the numbers go up? Do you feel comfortable? Does your knees feel better? Does your hips feel better? And that's something I think it's a, it's, a, it's kind of a topic now in strength and conditioning. You know, yeah. do you want to go barefooted? Do you want, do you not? Do you want to elevate the heel? Do you not? So I was, what I know that. Finding, what are you finding with your athletes? So like, for example, I'm training my, uh, my high school son and my eighth grade son are training with me this summer. So we're hitting garage sessions and I've been having them squat barefoot all summer because for, I know for me to coach them up, I, I feel like I can see it, right? When that heel comes up, that heel comes up quicker and I can see that. Hey man, keep your heels down. Or if their their feet are spreading out or if they're not, I what's important for me to grab with the toes, right? You think of spreading the toes and all that. Are you seeing your athletes, are their maxes going up with barefoot or 
Are they better in shoes? What are you, what are you seeing so far? Right now, I see better quality movement. It's just because, like, when you go barefoot, you don't have, you know, shoes with, you know, that spongy mm-hmm. sole at the bottom, I guess is the best way I could put it. You don't have that. So you're getting the more fluid and more natural movement rather yeah. than, and I trust, I don't trust high school, especially boys. I don't trust high school boys to bring proper shoes in and that, <laughs> that sort of thing. So wait, 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 wait. you mean Crocs or Hey Dudes? Those aren't appropriate. Crocs, Hey Dudes, slides, sandals. <laughs> I have one kid that brought in flip flops the other day, and I about oh, lost man. my mind. I, I just, oh. <laughs> but I mean, like, I just see a more fluid movement pattern. You know, I don't see, you know, improper or a less. I guess I see less error, technical error when yeah. we do no shoes. I think it's more natural for the body to go barefooted because, you know, before times, before civilization and stuff like that, I mean, they were doing this stuff and they were barefooted. So, I mean, it makes more sense. There's been a lot of research lately now, right, with toe boxes, right? How how constricted are your feet? Um, I'm looking at mine right now. Like, I'm (laughs) maybe it's because I'm old, but I'm a big New Balance guy. I'm just going to say it, right? I, they got a big toe box and I feel like I can, my toes feel a lot more comfortable, but I know they're doing research on that too, right? Is your ability to, how constricted are your toes, right? right. How spread out are you even as your feet? Um, so yeah, I, to answer your question, yeah, I feel like, I feel it's very natural for me and just feels better lately. Yeah, I, I was curious. I didn't know if that was something that you like, that was in your personal philosophy when training and all that stuff. Or it was just something you kind of adapted along the way. So yeah, uh, let's talk about Creed Friday. How did you even get that? How where did that come from? All right, John Mark. Let me ask you this. Let me throw this back on you. Do you like Creed? I, I mean, on on record, I do. Okay, good. Because I feel like deep down, Creed's good. People like Creed. They just don't want to admit it for some reason. For some reason, yep. it became cool to hate on Creed. You know what I mean? It's kind of like Nickelback. <laughs> it is. It is like, hey, man, Nickelback ain't bad either, okay? I mean, that's not popular to say, but Nickelback's pretty good. Uh, so, no, I grew up, I mean, I'm, I'm of that era that, you know, Creed was out, and it was great, and everybody enjoyed it, and now it's like, oh, it's, it's great to hate on Creed. And I was like, man, no, Creed's still good. So Creed Fridays to me is the weekend's here. Uh, especially for me, I train out of my garage and man, open up the garage doors, blast the creed, just again, nostalgia. Like we talked about with little Debbie with, you know, certain like Fanta orange, you know, some people love these different Doritos and stuff, bringing you back to sometimes just that nostalgic, simpler, fun times. Me, it was like high school, college, whatever it was with creed. And so, yeah, man, I feel like creed gets a bad rap. I'm ready for them to come back, man. So what's your favorite album and song from Creed? Oh, man. <sighs> Arms Wide Open, you know, it kind of gets you that like, oh, man, I kind of feel like just rocking out and just singing. And then, uh, man, higher. I, I mean, come on. Yeah. You, you can't beat higher. I mean, yeah. You're lucky I'm not singing it right now. <laughs> so. Um. So when Creed came out with their full circle album, right? That was the last album they came out with. I was in middle school. And so, yeah, uh, I was in middle school and I listened to like all their songs and I worked backwards from there. So I got to hear like, like higher, you know, bullets, arms wide open, stuff like that. So I worked backwards from, nice, you know, from new to the, to the classics basically. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I just want to know because I love Creed. I do love Creed. So anyone yeah. who's on the podcast, I do love Creed. And you can hate <laughs> me for that one. Don't uh, hate us, man. Embrace it. They, they do too. They love Creed too. But it's, again, it's somehow it's cool to hate on Creed. Do you like Nickelback? I do like Nickelback too. Uh, hey, on the record, Daniel McKim does like Nickelback. <laughs> hey, look at this photograph. <laughs> <laughs> they, had that, they had that meme for a while. It was like, look at this graph. You know, <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. I remember the time I was like, I mean, it, it's easy to make fun of like Nickelback. Oh, yeah. It's really easy to make fun of. It is. 
So yeah. let's talk about faith for a moment. You're pretty open with faith. Yeah. So what is faith to you? Man, yeah, faith to me is is my relationship with Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, man. Um, I would be nowhere without him. And that was the big thing when I was competing was I, uh, I showed up my first comp and I remember, okay, this is different than track and field track and field. I was, man, I was, a, I was a head case. I was a head case. I, I remember I qualified for three indoor and three outdoor uh, national championship. Right. Uh, and I only walked away as an all American once I finished eighth. I barely squeaked out an quote all American title. Right. And I remember it used to bother me so much. And I used to just, just fall apart at big comps. I remember when I started the Highland Games, I thought, man, I need to do a better job of making this about God and less about me. I need to point people to Christ and I need to not get so consumed with my own performances, my own focuses and all that stuff. So I started wearing a bright red believe shirt. So on the front, it said believe. And on the back was Mark 115. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. And so that's kind of what I've lived for, uh, lived and push, you know, is uh, Believe Thrower is my website. And if you guys want to go out there, you'll see that I have my story and then I have the plan of salvation out there. What did, what's it mean to be a Christian? What's it mean to, to follow Christ? And, and so for me, my faith is, my faith is everything. Without it, I would be nothing. And so I, I try to, I try to put my whole life uh, in that parameter of how's, how's this affect and how can I better live my relationship with Jesus Christ? Yeah, man, absolutely. And that's one thing I really like and really admire about you. It's just because, you know, you're putting it out there, man. You know, some people are, I hate to say the word ashamed, but, you know, we, we don't go full into, you know, sharing the gospel, sharing Christ, sharing our yeah. beliefs. And, you know, that's one thing that I know I do and probably many others do admire about you is, you're putting it out there daily. You know, you put out daily scripture, whether that is, I think it's on Instagram, you put on your story. Yep. I mean, that's something that I think more people need to admire. And, you know, putting out a Bible script or putting out, you know, something in your daily readings, I mean, it could be something that, you know, it could uh, turn or put on the light bulb for someone that I need to get right. So, yeah, that's, that's the hope with those. It's funny you mentioned that. So the stories, yeah, I'm just through my, my daily quiet time, things that stick out to me. And so I'll just underline that and put it on my storyline and just put a little quick little summary of it. But yeah, it's a good, uh, it's a good way for me too to be, to make sure I am challenged. I am getting challenged and I'm getting fed daily. Right. And so it, it was twofold. It's to like, you know what, I'm just sharing with people what I'm doing, but also it's accountability. Like, Hey, I'm going to read every day. And every, well, every day that I'm on social media, I typically break on weekends, you know, but I will, uh, I'm gonna put it out there and, and hopefully, yeah, hopefully it challenges somebody or it's raised plenty of questions. I get, I'll get occasional DM, you know, somebody asking a question about something that's all. And that's awesome. And that's what I wanted to do is spark conversation. Right. Absolutely. So you talked about having your own personal quiet time. So what is that? Yeah, man. Um, for me, it's, it's reading a chapter plus a day. Simple as that. Um, I need to, I know I need to start my mornings. My, it's best when I start my mornings, grab a co cup of coffee and grab my Bible and read a chapter plus. Uh, sometimes it's multiple chapters. Sometimes it's multiple pages, whatever it is, working through a book of the Bible at a time and getting through there. I used to bounce around a lot, but like right now I started in the Old Testament and I'm working up. I'm at the end, end of Jeremiah right now. And so now I've taken my breaks and not breaks from reading, but breaks from the Old Testament. Occasionally I'll jump in and like, man, uh, Leviticus is a long one. That's a hard one. I'm going to jump into book of Mark real quick. So I'll jump to the New Testament, read that and come back. But uh, that's kind of what it's been for me. Yeah, man. Do you have a favorite book in the Bible? And I love first Corinthians. My life verse, I guess you say is first Corinthians 10 31 and all that you do, whether you eat or drink, do it all for the glory of the Lord. And that's what I try to do. And that's what I try to encourage with my boys, too, is, hey, this isn't for you. This isn't for anybody else. This is all for God. So whatever it is, whether you eat, simple as eating and drinking, do it all for the glory of God. Absolutely. Um, so 
when you're out and about, right? You're a Sornex rep, right? You go out, you're you're a rep for them. You're trying to sell whatever the the equipment. Yeah. So does that come along with some stress? And how do you manage your stress? And I guess I don't know if you ever get burnout or not. But how do you get how do you manage stress and burnout? Man, that's a that's a good question, man. Yes, it does come with stress, and that's the thing. Man, I just love, love to do what you do. Just make videos and and talk about weight rooms all day. And it's like, yeah, but guess what? I still have to sell. <laughs> I still have numbers I have to hit, right? It's a, it's a sales job. So I've still got to hit numbers. I've still got to hit um, certain things. The travel can get, can get tough. Before COVID, travel was really starting to get, get me burned out a little bit. And I, the best thing for me that came from COVID was I took a like I couldn't, couldn't fly, right? And travel was really reduced. Colleges weren't letting you come on campus and stuff. And, and so it was really reduced. And it was a good way for me to go, you know what? I'm going to reduce my stress by reducing my, my, uh, my, my map a little bit. I was going all over the country and I realized, man, I just need to hone in on the Midwest and do a better job of just serving and, and, and taking care of those coaches that I can around here. So there is definitely stress. And the best way I manage it, man, is I keep training. I love to train. And I love my family. And so uh, if I don't give it to you on a weekend and you text me on a weekend, I'm probably not going to text back. <laughs> you know, I'm probably not going to call you, do a work call or work text on a weekend because I have to have those times to, to get away, to unplug and to realize, uh, hey, man, I'll get to you Monday. We're not, you know, we're not going to cut a PO on a Saturday or Sunday anyways. Right. Now, if you want to talk about Little Debbie's or you want to talk about uh, training, I'll do that. <laughs> when it comes to work stuff. You better, you better, you're going to have to wait till Monday. <laughs> right. Absolutely. And talk, let's talk about like work-life balance. I mean, how do you handle that work-life balance of like traveling to go places to sell, you know, Sornex and also being the family man? Yeah. Um, man, one thing I've learned over the years, John Mark is, and this is what people have asked me in the past in terms of how do you balance it with throwing so much and at the time and working all that, like what is the one time of day that you could do stuff that you're not interfering with family time? It's probably 4.30 in the morning, right? So it's super early. Uh, I've always been the one of, I will sacrifice sleep over family time any, any day of the week. 100 times out of 100, I will sacrifice sleep over family time. So for me, for throwing all those years, it was get up at the crack of dawn, go train. So I don't have to worry about missing time with family. So even I apply that now with my job is that I will like, well, for example, uh, two days from now, Thursday, I will be driving four hours, one direction. So I'm going to get up. I'm going to probably leave my house by 4 15. I'll go down. I'll have a meeting. Then I'll go to another meeting. And then which will probably take me through lunchtime in the afternoon. If I got time to train at the school, I will. Not, I'll drive home, probably get home about 6, 6.30, maybe 7, right? But I would rather do that. I would rather get up and have a long day of driving and get home because that means the night before I got to be with my family, when I get home that evening, I'm going to be with my family. So I will do a lot of four and five hour one direction trips, get up early at 3.30 sometimes. I, the, other day, the other day I had to leave it. Uh, I think I, I set my alarm for 2.45 a.m. And then I pushed it back till 3 a.m. and just said everything. I'm, I might have even slept in my clothes. I don't know. <laughs> but it's like, it was one of those things where like, oh, man. But I wanted to spend, I wanted to see my family the night before. And I want to get back as soon as I can. So anyways, my story short is I balance it by sleeping less and sacrificing, <laughs> sacrificing sleep to be with family, which is everything they tell you not to do, right, when it comes to performance. Athletes need nine to 10 hours of sleep a night. And I'm like, clearly y'all don't have kids because that's not possible. Or clearly y'all don't have jobs because I don't know who's sleeping nine or 10 hours or wherever it is a night. It must be nice. No, that's what I'll do. Let me tell you, being a collegiate and a high school athlete former before and seeing the ins and outs of both programs, you're telling kids to go to bed at like nine or 10 at night. They're not going to bed at nine or ten <laughs> at night. They're going to be staying up till one or two playing the video games. And I was in yeah. college, you know, played football, whatnot. Yeah. And our strength coach told us, "It's like you need to be in bed by ten. Had it on the list. Like, 
what to do. <laughs> Ten o'clock, be in bed. Said, I don't care where you are, but be in bed. And you know, I mean, I some of my buddies were like, okay, I'll be in bed. And they were sitting there playing video games till about two or three in the morning. I'm like, <laughs> not what he meant, but yeah. I know, and yet here we are still getting kids up at five o'clock to go train. <laughs> uh, I don't miss those days of five o'clock. Uh. Man, training, I, I don't miss them. I don't mean, I'll be completely honest. We start at eight o'clock here, and I, nice. I feel like that's a decent time, right? Absolutely. I feel like that. your day's not getting too far away from you, but you're still early, you know what I mean? But you're not crazy early to where, to where no one's getting any sleep. So, right. Um, where do you see yourself in about two to three years, five years, and 10 years? Hmm. Man, hopefully, uh, hopefully Sornex still feels the opportunity to, uh, to keep me employed, man. So I love, I was just telling somebody the other day how much I love my job and how much I, uh, I enjoy interacting with coaches and talking with them. And, and what's cool, man, is that it's beyond just, and this happens with you guys with coaching, but it's beyond just, just work. It's relationships. Yep. The more relationships we can build, that's what's, that's what's cool. And that's what's fun is seeing friends of mine that you know get married or have kids or uh you know are going through really cool milestones and even some of the the bad stuff in life and to be able to interact and to serve them that's that's what's cool so that's where i hope i'm at the next few years so yeah man um that's awesome Uh, i like asking that question just because i like seeing people's kind of you know thought into the future you know yeah, you know where they're going and that sort of thing. So, yeah, man. Um, I've had a lot of different jobs over the years, man, and that's what's cool is that I've worked. I worked in marketing and public information. I worked for a bank twice. I was a personal trainer. I was a sports performance trainer, and I worked in logistics. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, just honestly, you know, I remember those years, and that's where I would I challenge younger guys and and coaches and stuff is like you feel like you're going through stuff. You're like, you know, I was feeling like, man, God, what have you got for me? Because clearly I haven't found it yet. And I don't know what it is. And this is, this is not fun. And so it took a while, but I've worked enough jobs. I realize now like, okay, this is where God wants me to be. It took a while. I'm so glad he put me where he put me. Man, that's such a comforting feeling. Kind of have that sense of belonging somewhere. You know, you can feel when you, when God doesn't want you to be in a certain place at a certain time, you know, right. it's very comforting to know, you know, you're at where you're supposed to be. Right. Absolutely, man. Uh, kind of last couple of questions here. So what's some advice that you would give to people just in general, you know, whether that's strength and conditioning, whether that's as an athlete, you know, just in general, what's some advice that you would give just people in general? Man, a uh, big thing would be to enjoy life, to have joy. Now, granted, like we've talked about, the ultimate joy is the relationship with Jesus Christ. That's how you find ultimate joy. And that was one thing my dad reiterated into me was those years of um, college throwing. I lost, a new coach came in. I had the other coach. I had a great, great experience with him. We were really going and growing and throwing far and doing great things. The time I was, and then when new coach came in, everything was kind of changing and I was struggling. I was getting stronger, but I was throwing less. And, and it was like, man, and my, my dad would always say, hey, Joy of the Lord is your strength. I believe it's Nehemiah 8, 8. He's talking to, uh, talking to the, the, Nehemiah's talking to the people there like, hey, this is tough. This is frustrating. But remember, joy comes from the Lord. And so that was my big thing, man, is like we talked about before, we get so defensive, no matter the industry, for me throwing. Guys used to be like, <laughs> guys used to get so, the guys I was around to get so protected sometimes of like they're throwing or uh, technique or something like, oh, and I'm like, well, just tell him that's what he's doing wrong. So he fixes. He's like, no, man, he'll throw further. I don't want him to throw. Dude, this is such a small industry. This is such a small realm. Let's help each other out. And so my thing is, is as we get so protective of our training, of our programming, of our technique, of whatever it is, realize, man, have some joy and let's share it and let's, let's do this. Let's do this thing together. Yeah. Uh, do you ever? Do you think you ever want to be like a strength condition coach at the high school, collegiate, or at, even at the professional level? That's uh, funny, man. That's that's why I got into personal training. So, at the time I was married, we had two kids, and 
I was working at a bank and I was miserable. And I remember thinking, man, I really, I'd like to be a strength coach. So I talked to some guys, got talked to some, uh, some bigger, some coaches. And I was like, well, I guess I need to be a personal trainer because I'm, I can't go back to grad school or anything. So I studied and I passed, uh, I think my first one I passed was ACE certification, personal training. Started working at a, at a, at a 24 hour fitness and dude, it was, it was rough. It was tough. Yep. Uh, uh, it was a tough go. And then I passed my CSCS and I was like, man, this is it. This is my ticket. I kind of thought of time. These uh, offers just going to come streaming in. Right. And uh, I had, and I went in to be a sports performance coach at a private facility and that was rough and that was tough, but um, no, man, I got a lot of, a lot of respect for what you guys do and the opportunity you have and the impact you have on kids. And I see it this summer, right. I'm training with, my two boys and then two of their friends come in. So we got a garage full of just, and it's like, wow, I just showed you how to squat. And did you must've forgotten like completely, you know, it's like what happened in two days here. And uh, so I have a lot of respect to what you guys do, but I don't think God's calling me to be a strength coach. Anytime soon. <laughs> I got you, man. Hey, it's funny. Cause you'll tell a kid that um, say, Hey, don't wear your Crocs in the weight room. Very simple. Don't wear your Crocs in the weight room. Okay, coach. About five minutes later, you know, they're rolling in with the same Crocs that I told them to take off. It's like, man, <laughs> did, you, did you not just listen to me? Did you not listen? You heard nothing. <laughs> oh, it's my bad, coach. It's like, okay. Um, and you have your CSCS? Or you took oh, the CSCS? I took CSCS. I passed it, surprisingly. And then when I got out of sports performance training, and I went back to the bank because of the situation I was in, I let it expire. So I have tried, I have begged, I have tried everything with, with NSCA. So NSCA, if you're listening to this, honorarium CSCS is up for discussion, I think. Well, let's make it happen. Because <laughs> they're like, no, you expired. You got to retake your test. I'm like, bro, I barely passed it by the skin of my teeth. I cannot. I cannot do it. And they're like, no, you got to take it again. So I know, I know. That's one of those things that I look back and like, doggone, even, even though I was out of it, I wish, cause now look, here I am. Not that it, I mean, it would have been, it's something I wish I'd have kept. And that's a pretty um, extreme test. You know, it's, yeah. it's not something you can like, Oh, I got this, whatever. And there's some people that have done that and they're like, Oh, cool, whatever. But uh, that's not a test that you can just blow off. No, dude, when I, to study for it, I, so I worked at this bank. So every lunch break, I would sit at my desk and I would study, right? I had a, I created flashcards to where I had a 10 minute walk from, cause I was too cheap to pay for parking on downtown Kansas city. I had to cross a bridge and walk across. And, and so I made these flashcards and I would have 10 minutes there and 10 minutes back. So I was like, okay, I have 20 minutes a day. I'm going to study while I'm walking. And then at lunch, I had 30 minutes. I'm going to study while I'm, dude, when I had to go use the toilet, I was in there rocking CSCS study tests in the stall. So I was doing that. Like I worked anytime I was traveling for throwing, I jump on the plane on a Friday night. Everybody's like, great, having a great time. I'm over there studying. And I was like, man, I studied my butt off and I barely passed it. Like, I think you have to get a 70 to pass. And I got yep. a 70. And so when they said, oh, you got to retake it. I'm like, well, I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> I think I can do it. <laughs> yeah, man. I, uh, yeah, that that test, man. It's it's grueling. It's, it's I think it's gotten harder too over the years too. They've made it a lot more difficult. They made it more challenge. Yeah, they they pulled more stuff out of it, and there's added components and all that stuff. I'm just like, uh, last question here. So, who are the top coaches that influence you, whether that be personally or in your training? Oh man. Oh man. So, okay. So I got a couple, uh, Chuck Litteris is his name. So my high school strength coach, he was the football coach. He was a strength coach. He was actually CSCS certified. And you gotta remember I'm 40. So this was back in the old days, back when, uh, back, back when there wasn't streaming television and all that stuff. Right. So he was, we were one of the few schools that did strength and conditioning and he was, he was legit certified. And 
And I learned from him just doing it. And I kind of started to learn how to train. I learned to train. I didn't really get bit by the bug yet. And then in college, John Gustafson, he was the D-line coach at Northwest Missouri State. He was also the uh, strength coach. And, man, I used to – now, I was dumb at times, like, so I was a thrower. So I would come in. I'd do the thrower's workout that our coach gave us. Take about an hour, hour and ten. It's too easy. I felt like, coach, this isn't enough. So that was three to four days a week. So <laughs> another four days a week, I would come in and do my own workout. So, dude, I was spending two and a half hours in the gym every day. I was going out and throwing practice for two hours every day. And in the fall, we were sprint, doing sprint work 45 minutes a day for like two to three days a week. To say I was overtrained is an understatement. <laughs> and I wish somebody had said, hey, look, dude, you need to back off. But at the time, I was just, man, I got to have more. I got to have more is better. More is good. So, but John gave me. Coach Gus gave me, like, kind of started to foster in me that love and passion for training. And so those were the two, two big influences. And, again, that's another challenge is, like, man, you don't know what aspect, you know, what influence you guys have as coaches. So it was my high school strength coach and really the college strength coach. And it wasn't, you know, but yet I threw for all these years, but here I am in the strength industry Largest, partly, largely, partly because of those guys. They gave me tools to, to learn and to grow and also get, helped give me a passion for lifting weights. And so it helped lead me into a career that I love and an impact. And like just the fact that we're on this call right now, man, we're doing this. It's largely because my strength coaches in high school and college, you know, impacted and, you know, put, put, uh, put love and, and some direction in my life. So. Pretty cool. Absolutely. Well, Daniel, thank you so much for taking the time to do this and to be on this call and just to just to give more about yourself, about you know, even the 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 little Debbie ambassador stuff, the, the <laughs> you know, the videos, even talking about faith, man. You know, it's it it has been an honor to get to know you just a little bit better today. Man, my pleasure, dude. I really appreciate it. Thanks for letting me ramble on and uh, it's been fun chatting. I appreciate you, brother. Absolutely. And that's the next episode of the Conjugate Chats with your host here, John Mark Raspberry, Coach Raspberry at that. Daniel, thank you so, so much. <laughs>